Welcome to Farm to Stable, a science-based equine nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nettie Leibert. I'm a lifelong horse person and professional equine nutritionist with the goal of helping horses and their humans create balanced diets to set them up for success, no matter what age, discipline, or circumstance. Disclaimer, the information discussed here is based on current scientific research and is for educational purposes only. Every horse's individual needs vary. This is not a substitute for veterinary medicine or nutrition consultation. Hello and welcome to another episode of Farm to Stable and Equine Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nettie Leibert, and this week I have a very special guest joining me, my good friend and colleague, equine nutritionist extraordinaire, Kristen Janicki. Hello, Kristen, and welcome. Uh, hi, Nettie. I'm so glad to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so thrilled to have you as our very first guest. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Um. Okay. Well, I am from originally the suburbs of Chicago and grew up loving horses and rode hunter jumpers and eventing when I was when I was growing up um, and decided that I wanted to pursue a career in something related to animals. I didn't exactly know what. So did a bachelor's degree in animal science at the University of Illinois, then went on to do a master's degree in um, equine nutrition at the University of Kentucky with Dr. Lori Lawrence there. And my study was looking at um, selenium type in broodmares and foals. So I looked at selenium source, whether it was inorganic versus organic, and if that made a difference, and it did, as to the availability of selenium, which is a lot to do with the immune function. So that was really positive. Um, And then after that, I worked for about 10 years in extension with the 4-H horse program here in Kentucky. Then I um, transferred out of um, the university life into um, corporate America <laughs> um, and worked for a company, Buckeye Nutrition, which is Mars Horse Care US, owned by Mars, of course. Um, so I spent about 10 years doing that, various positions in Buckeye. I was in sales for a while, then I was in R&D, and then I was in marketing. I did everything but make the feed in the plant. <laughs> you literally did everything. <laughs> um, and then I had the opportunity to change positions and try out my hand in more of the pet care aspect, which is a bigger, broader industry. Um, so right now I'm a vet account consultant for Royal Canin. Um, so I call on vet clinics and do the prescription diets and help them understand how to use them and, um, all about new products and things that we get to do. And it's great. It's really fun. I really enjoyed it, That's but I miss awesome. working with you. I know. That I was so the worst part. I know. <laughs> well, this is one way that we can still work together. Yes. Of yes. Course. And I have to say, Kristen is a brilliant, brilliant writer, especially when it comes to equine nutrition. And she's really very good about, taking scientific fact there's there's a hot notion for you and relating it to the problem at hand and explaining it in a way that is not condescending and really making a very good point which is one of the reasons I wanted to bring her on today because if you have a social media account (laughs) or you are friends with I don't know other horse people 
you may have seen this in the past couple of weeks, and it was a post about choke in horses. So if you are not familiar with what choke is, I'm going to read you a definition from the American Association of Equine Practitioners. So choke is an, an obstruction of the esophagus. So in people, it's you think of choking, right? It's a blockage of your windpipe. Uh, in horses, it's a choke of the esophagus, which is the tube that takes food from, you know, when they're chewing and they swallow down to the stomach. Unlike human medicine, where it refers to that tracheal obstruction, choke in horses is an obstruction of the esophagus. And the most common signs horse owners recognize is usually feed material coming out of the nostrils. So if you've ever seen it, it's terrifying. And all, you know, it might be green stuff uh, dripping out of their nose. Um, and they might be salivating a lot, kind of retching, not eating, maybe acting colicky, coughing, kind of moving their head in different ways. Um, and it, they can have serious consequences. So you have to call your vet immediately when this happens. But this social media post post uh, basically said, oh, look, if you soak your feet, it doesn't matter because the inside is is dry. So I don't know. Do you want to you want to comment on that further? Yes, I do. Um, so uh, just a little background on what why this post um, came to be that I posted about um, is that when we worked at Buckeye, we were very limited on our reactions to things on social media. And there's so many things to react. And most of the time, um, you know, we kind of had to bite our tongue or keep our mouth shut because we were representing a brand and I'm still representing and we are both still representing a brand. But having that ability to um, comment from an equine nutritionist that is not working for a feed company. Now I feel like I have a little more um, ability to open my mouth and uh, <laughs> really uh, give my opinion on things without having to worry about, you know, I'm making a bad name for a certain company. So, um, and plus I want to really utilize now that I'm in more of a dog and cat environment, I want to utilize my degree to a bigger extent and make sure that I'm staying current. And one of the things that frustrates me the most is these posts that go viral mm -hmm. on social media from people with good intentions. And granted, this woman, I'm sure she had good intentions, but the fact that it was shared like over 300,000 million times, right. that's an exaggeration, but whatever. But um, I agree. The intentions were good. I absolutely yeah. agree the intentions were good. But I think she, uh, you know, it's just completely, <laughs> uh, uh, there's a lot of inaccuracies in that, in that post. So what she wrote was that she had a choke issue and my dogs are going to be annoying. There's a floofy dog in the background. I know they're I wrestling. Of course, when I'm talking, they're wrestling. Yes. Um, so what her post said that she had um, an incidence of choke and then she did a little experiment with just now, granted, this woman is feeding um, alfalfa pellets and a commercially available grain. So all she did was take the alfalfa pellets and actually do the experiment with that and kind of left out the part with the commercial grain. So what she did, she did a soaking experiment because she had a horse's choke and she's like, after 12 hours of choking, there's still dry pellets in there or dryness in there. So um, that was her, you know, the more, you know, kind of post, but um, really, I think there was a lot of information that she provided and some that 
wasn't provided that really was a better indication of why that horse choked versus just having to soak your feed for 14 hours or so. Right. right. Um, so that's kind of where I started. One of the things that you, that you noted, which is very true, there are a lot of different potential causes of choke. Right. Uh, now, of course, we are not veterinarians. We are nutritionists. We deal with this from a nutritional perspective uh, very often. In fact, when I was in graduate school, we had one of our senior mayors who choked. That was the first time I'd ever seen it. And we had to manage her diet very carefully going forward. And once we did that, she didn't have a problem again. So, right. but that was, was key. Um, yeah. And there aren't a lot of studies out there. There's one or two of sort of demographic studies about causes and why this or why that. Um, it doesn't seem to necessarily discriminate for breed or, or anything. Right. Um, one of the, one of the big causes of choke potentially is poor teeth or chewing right. ability. Yeah. So that's why you are a lot of times, if you have a senior horse, um, you are asked to soak your feed for that exact purpose because their, their ability to chew and break down that feed is compromised because of either their lack of teeth or the teeth, um, structure is diminished a bit just simply because of age. So that is a main reason. And I think, a majority of choke cases happen in age horses for that reason, whether it's hay or grain. So yep. um, that is that is one of the biggest reasons. And then I think um, some of the other reasons are less understood as far as I know. But one of the things that they do comment about is speed of eating. That speed of intake and rate of intake can really have an effect on the horse's ability to chew and digest and really mix with saliva and get that moisture into that feed. And whether it's just a really hungry horse <laughs> or they're in, a con in an environment where they feel like, if I don't finish this, someone else is going to come over and take it. Right. Too and much Yes. And that's the hardest thing to, to really establish. And I've had this conversation with several people at the barn, because even though you can perceive your horse not having any threats to their, their food, if they're in a stall by themselves, no other horse has access to it. It doesn't matter if there's another horse next to them that is standing too close to them. That's a perceived threat to that, their food. Yep. So even though it seems to us like you're overreacting, this is safe. This is fine. You're fine. No one's going to steal your food. That's not exactly what's going on in their head all the time. Right. And that's, that's actually a really good point. A really good point because, you know, I say this to my horse all the time, like the trailer is not going to eat you. And <laughs> that absolutely something horrible is going to happen in there. So obviously he's perceiving it quite different <laughs> than I am. So, uh, yeah, but I digress. Um, yeah. but yes, bolting feed is a huge, can be a huge problem. And it's one of the reasons why we do recommend soaking things like beet pulp or hay cubes, because they can have cubes can, you know, have those fine particles that fall off and beet pulp shreds can have some small particles in there. And if they're dry, I don't know if you've ever taken, <laughs> but if you've ever taken <laughs> a spoonful of like wheat germ or I don't know if you participated in that ridiculous 
cinnamon challenge or something those fine particles <laughs> oh I mean, my gosh don't do i did that. participate in the like saltine eating challenge though where you could see how many you could stuff in your mouth and then like <laughs> swallow which it sucks all the saliva out it was just so, i just remember that in high school it's so stupid it's <laughs> so stupid <laughs> But that's it. But I think anybody could relate to that, though, because if you have one saltine, you know how dry it can make your mouth. And if you have several and then you try to swallow it, well, it's kind of the same concept. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. But even with something like shreds or wheat bran, whatever like that that you're feeding, these are small particles. And if they kind of irritate the throat or the horse just kind of swallows a bunch of it, yeah, it can kind of be tough to pass down the esophagus, which is one reason why we always tell you, hey, it's a good idea to soak this because if your horse does take a big bite and tries to eat it quickly, at least they have that water in there to try to help it pass because saliva is not, as you just said, not going to get absorbed quick enough to help it do that. Yeah. If they're trying to stuff too many saltines in their mouth, <laughs> it's going yeah. to end up being a problem. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about, we, we talk about it, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast, and we've sort of mentioned it casually, is soaking feed and how um, on this post they talk, oh, I, I soaked this feed for 12 hours and then broke open the pellet and it was still dry. And I question that <laughs> because, I mean, I've soaked things for a long time and they're they're pretty mushy. But even that said, the outside would is mush. It's like oatmeal at that point. Right. And, if there remains any amount of dried matter in the middle of that pellet, it's not a lot. No, that's right. Exactly right. And they didn't comment about like what kind of water they use, whether it's warm or cold water. And of course, I'm like, you know, warm water or hot water is going to uh, make that process speed it up quite a bit. Yes. So that wasn't an, that wasn't um, made apparent by that post. So I have no idea what she was using to soak that. But um and then when I, in my post about that post, my post someone commented post. that, would you be concerned about um, bacteria growing and stuff at leaving wet feed out that long? And I was like, absolutely. Yes. Yep. So, Especially in the summer. Right. If you live in Florida um, and you don't have a controlled temperature environment, then yeah, that's a concern. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, certainly less likely in the winter, but not. Right. But but not uh, a guarantee that right. this isn't going to happen. And if you do soak that feed and your horse doesn't finish it, that's one reason why we're going to say throw it out and start over. Don't save the leftovers. Right. We certainly yeah. don't want any of it to ferment. Even if you've ever smelled fermenting hay, if you have a horse that likes to dunk hay in the buckets, <laughs> yeah, like uh, like mine, yes. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but the horse next to him will like take the entire flake of hay. It's like <laughs> That's cascading awesome. out over the buckets and it's, it gets icky. It's got to be scrubbed and cleaned every day, twice yeah. a day. That's gross. Yeah. That's but funny. You, but it just gets icky smelling if you, so anyway, it, yeah. that's a technical term, icky smelling. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing icky. Yeah. No, nothing icky. So yeah, I think that, you know, and then this lady's post the only thing that was obvious to me what she had changed was the location of the horse's bucket. You know, there was nothing else that was different. So in my experience, if all else, if everything is remaining the same, the feed, the amount, the the horse, nothing major changes to their health, 
then there's something else going on, you know, in that in that situation. And you can't you don't need to search to find the most like hidden answer. You can, you know, the obvious solution here is like, yeah, I changed the the location of this horse's Which bucket. the horse could see as a perceived stressor or threat. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying that that is a hundred percent the reason. No, but it's, it, no, no, it's a possibility. Right. It's hard to hard to rule that out. You know, I just hate to I hate to blame the alfalfa pellets in this yeah. exact situation, and I don't think soaking them for twelve hours or being afraid to feed them to your horse is really the solution we're looking for here for every other horse owner. Agreed, and especially if it's a diet that your horse has been on and is used to. Yeah. Um, and you haven't changed anything diet wise and all of a sudden an incidence of choke happens. That's something that needs to be investigated. And that's yeah. something you need to talk to your veterinarian about pretty quick. Right. And then also they do know something I was reading in some of the vet journals is that once a horse does choke, they are more likely to choke again. And I don't know if that's because of like scar tissue that builds up or inflammation. I mean, I think it's more true immediately the few days after they do choke, mm -hmm. but in, in all in all, like I think their, their chances of choking again do go up once they do choke and maybe there's some physiological changes in their esophagus that have to do with that. So that's always something to keep in mind as well. Yes, absolutely. And uh, one of the main things to manage it, as we'll tell you, is soak the feed. Just soak it. You can soak. People sometimes are concerned. Oh my gosh, is it okay to soak this? Yes. If you want to soak it, soak it. Go for it. Right. <laughs> it's okay. It's there's any excuse to get some more water into your horse is good anyway. So yeah. So soak it. Um, yeah. So we are running out of time already. I'm so sad because I know so much fun because we uh, talk so much. Go figure. This is what <laughs> happens when you put horse geeks together in a room. And <laughs> exactly. It's okay. But I hope that you that none of you ever experience choke, but or, or personally or for your horse, of course. Um, if if you do, if you have any suspicion, the first call you need to make is to your veterinarian who needs to manage it. And many of them resolve. I was reading a paper just before we went on, and many of these cases, most of them, the vast majority, resolve pretty easily with medical intervention. Yeah, it's very yeah. rare that a veterinarian can't resolve that issue in the field. Right. So, yes, yeah. you need to address it quickly and immediately. You need to, if you have a horse that's choking, you need to remove any food available, any forage, any hay, any what, like take it all away because you don't want anything adding to that impaction. Yeah. Um, and call your vet and they will help you. Uh, well, obviously they'll come and they'll help that horse feel better. They'll help you feel better and they'll help resolve that. So when in doubt, soak it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But not for 12 hours, man. I yeah, mean, I don't know anything that needs to be soaked for 12 hours. Uh, uh, beet pulp pellets need a little longer than say yeah. shreds. Shreds, they'll be fully soaked in 15 minutes. Yes, yes, I did that experiment in my kitchen. Pellets will soak a little bit longer because they're compact and they're hard. So uh, to your point, warm water will soak in faster. Yeah. Uh, what else do we want to summarize here? Adding some oil in there could possibly help lubricate it oh, as well. Great, so, if, um, and that's always a good, you know, just a squirt of some oil on top of it. Maybe something to consider if your horse is not obese. Right. And horses find vegetable oil pretty palatable most of the time. <laughs> but if right. it's kind of getting mixed in, you think, oh, oil and water, mix it in there. <laughs> 
it'll work. Trust us. <laughs> we, yeah. We've all done it. We've all, we've all had to do it at one point or another. I'll save, I'll save that story for another podcast of the last <laughs> <one>. So, <laughs> ah. so I am so grateful that you came on to Farm to Stable this week, Kristen. Thank you so much. And thank I you for having me have you back in the future. I, anytime you ask, I will be back. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone for listening. If you found this interesting, please, of course, like, share, leave us a comment. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to equine nutrition, PhD at yahoo.com questions, uh, topic suggestions, any of that. This is for education purposes. So if there's topics you want to hear, about we would love to know thank you so much and happy riding out there thank you for listening to the latest episode of farm to stable a science-based equine nutrition podcast please share and subscribe if you found the content interesting and if you have a topic you'd like to hear about send it to equine nutrition phd at yahoo.com mm-hmm.